And then we're also to pray for those who are sent. So not only do we pray for the harvest, we're to pray for those who are sent. Uh, again, Luke 10, 2, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So key point number two is this. Missional living continues with gospel-centric prayers for the laborers. Look with me again. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. In other words, there are more people in the harvest who are ready to respond to the gospel than the number of laborers willing to share the gospel with them. That's heartbreaking, really, when you think about it, That's that, that uh, there's so many people ready to hear and ready to respond to the gospel, but we've got to get it to them. Let me put it another way. The only thing lacking for the Great Commission to succeed is obedient Christians. If we want the Great Commission to succeed, then what do we need? We need laborers. We need people who are willing to take the Great Commission serious. Consider Isaiah chapter 6. It says, so I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Now, what is he saying here? He's, he's, he's already crying out a gospel-centric prayer. He's saying, God, I can't do this. I, I am sinful. Woe is me. I even dwell with people who are sinful. And it says, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. What do we see here? Redemption. The, the gospel message over and over and over. We see redemption taking place. Also, I, I heed the voice of the Lord. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. What is this? This is restoration. This is someone who is now being obedient to the Lord. It's the themes of the gospel over and over and over. So listen to the call of Isaiah. Isaiah had a proper perspective of himself. I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah had a proper perspective of his community. I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. Isaiah had a proper perspective of Jesus. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah had a proper perspective, uh, a, a new perspective, rather, of himself. Christ has healed him of his unclean lips and taken away his sin. And Isaiah then had a new perspective of his community. They need someone to tell them. It's a gospel-centric prayer. It's the gospel, and it's someone saying, yeah, I'll do it. I'm, I'm willing to do this. Here am I. Send me. What was, his, uh, what was he doing? Kiri Eleazon. Kiri Eleazon. Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinful man, and you need somebody to go. And if, if that's the case, I am willing. Here I am. Send me. Let's pick back up in Luke chapter 10, verse 3. So go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in that same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. 
Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. So key point number three for us then is this. Missional living continues with gospel-centric prayers of compassion. Missional living continues with gospel-centric prayers of compassion. Remember how we briefly looked at the chapter before and, and how the, you know, the disciples you know, constantly were uh, focused on themselves or remember when the disciples said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? And Jesus' immediate answer was, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but rather to save them. And then they went to another village. I think that chapter 10, I think chapter 10 is Jesus' full answer to that question. A lot of times, um, a lot of times we think about Jesus, how he answers a question with a question. But if we keep reading and we keep, maybe keep reading into the next chapter, we discover that Jesus is actually answering their question by illustrating through a life event that he's answering that question and giving them a real-life example. And, and I think that's what we see. I think that's exactly what we see uh, you know, happening here. Uh, you proclaim the gospel. You go into the city and proclaim the gospel. And if they welcome you into that city, then you remain there and eat with them. If they reject the gospel, then you wipe the dust off of your sandals and you proclaim the gospel one more time and then you leave. Luke chapter 10, let's pick back up verse 12. It says, but I say to you, that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. By the way, sackcloth and ashes are a sign of mourning and, and repentance. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. He who hears you hears me. He who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So first, there is nothing in this passage that tells us that we must convince people of the gospel. It simply says, proclaim the gospel. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to debate with them. It just simply says, you go and proclaim the gospel. Go and proclaim the gospel. Not commanded to, to convince others of the saving grace. Uh, I am called to proclaim it. The second thing is that the results are in God's hands, not ours. The results are in God's hands, not ours. So look at verse 16. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And he, of course, is referring to God the Father. So when these cities reject the messenger that God has sent them, they're actually rejecting Christ. That's what they're doing. And then look at verse 17. 
Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Jesus said not to marvel that spirits are subject to us, but rather marvel that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then the remainder of the chapter continues to answer the disciples' questions about the Samaritan city. Jesus shares the gospel through a parable. It's a parable called the Good Samaritan. We don't have time to unpack all of that, but the parable of the Good Samaritan is there, and it's here that we should note that missional living shapes us into the image of Christ. So that leads us to one last thought. God uses missional living to shape us into his image. He uses missional living to shape us into his image. That's the power of the gospel at work in our lives.